So we'll be continuing our study in Ephesians. And I saw this post since this is daylight savings time. And I don't know how much time we're actually saving with that. But since we lost an hour, that means I get to preach an extra hour. So anyone have an amen with that? I know Cookie, she's about to leave. Um, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I was like, anyways. So if you turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. It's on your screen for the reference. Test, test, test. Maybe sh- I know there was signal on it. So today, uh, this uh, Paul continues the discussion about walking. So remember, the first half of Ephesians talks. Paul talks about doctrine and. His, uh, in Ephesians, his focus is on the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. And then in the last half, um, verses, uh, chapters 4 through 6, it's, he's applying the theology. So this is, he talks about our walk a lot in the last, uh, the last half of the letter. So this is the application of our spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. So in this section, we'll be noticing that Paul is going to, exhort us exhorts the ephesians exhorts us to walk in wisdom and walk in the spirit so last time when we went over ephesians um in the passage of verses 7 to 14 paul uh, exhorts the ephesians to not be partners with the disobedient or we can say don't be partners with the ones who are in darkness but instead walk as children of light and then he continues his discussion on walking as we need to be walking with wisdom and walking in the spirit. And the main idea that Paul is trying to get that Paul is trying to get at um, is since days are evil, we are to walk in wisdom and walk in the spirit. So let's pray before we begin. Lord, thank you for bringing us here to study a word, to glean glean from it, to uh, understand you, understand the gospel, understand Christ more. And Lord, as as you open this passage, may we uh, open our hearts to your truths. And Lord, give me the words to say. Let it be your words and and not my words. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, in this passage, the main idea is since the days are evil, we are to walk in wisdom and in the spirit. Those noises are not from the sermon, so. <laughs> so from, from this passage, oh, there we go. Uh, Paul is saying to the Ephesians to walk wisely so that they can be ready to do God's will and, 
And also he tells them to walk in the spirit so they can edify the local body, glorify God, and to cement one another. So the first half of the passage is uh, verses 15 to 17. And that's where we get walk in wisdom. So if you follow in your Bibles, uh, follow as I read God's word. Pay careful attention then to how you walk. Not as unwise people, but as wise, making most of the time because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So from the get-go, Paul says, pay careful attention. So that, that should be a red flag for us. So notice, it, it's like a, stop, like a sign, is pay attention. So when you see that, we need to pay attention to that sign. So in other words, our walk is important to those who are in Christ. Who has, um, our walk is important as those who as Christ has shined on us, as what uh, verse 14 says. Christ has saved us to walk wisely. So literally what Paul is saying is, take heed carefully. Do you sense the seriousness of what Paul's tone is here? Christ redeem us for a purpose. Remember in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, that God created us. We are his workmanship, creating Christ Jesus for good works. As those who have received the spiritual blessings of Christ, we should live them out. So Pay careful attention how we walk, because it's important in how we should walk as believers. Now, the characteristic of wise and unwise people, I have a table for that. So, a wise person, they are a children of light, so that's their identity. And then a wise person, as you know, they bear good fruit, which is goodness, righteousness, and truth. So... It's their identity again, but also that's what their fruit is. It's good fruit. And a wise person does not participate in sin, but exposes it, um, as we previously discussed in the last passage. So the wise person does not participate in sin, but also a wise person has the light of Christ in them. So that's their position, and that's their salvation. So in order to be wise, you have to have Christ in you. You have to have, uh, you have to have the light of Christ, and the only way we can do that is accept Christ as our Savior, who died for our sins and rose from the dead three days later. And now, unwise people—that's the opposite. So, unwise they are children of darkness, and also the unwise they bear bad fruit, and the fruit is their evil, their un- unrighteousness, and they lie. And unwise people, they participate in sin, also they conceal it. And unwise people, since they don't have Christ's light in them, they're still in darkness. So to illustrate this even more, uh, Psalms 1 actually gives a characteristic of what an unwise person and a wise person is. So Psalms 1, verse 1 to 2 reads, How happy is the one who does not walk in the vice of the wicked or stand in the pathway of sinners or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, 
His delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. So notice, those who walk or live with the vice of the world or of the wicked, or those who are in darkness, or those who participate with sinners, or those who associate with themselves with the company of mockers, those are the unwise. But those who are wise, they're the ones that seek counsel from God's word, not the advice of the wicked, but they seek counsel from God's word, those who participate with his saints, and also those who associate themselves with godly people and meditate in God's word. Those are the people who are wise. And that will help us to understand what Paul is talking about in Ephesians chapter 5 in our passage. So our walk is important. So we need to walk wise and not unwise. And now the next verse, it's the why. Why we need to walk in wisdom. It's making most of the time because the days are evil. Now, the word evil here uh, is defined as bringing toils, annoyances, perils, and basically... uh, Basically, these days are full of perils to Christian faith and steadfastness. One commentator says that evil represented here in this verse is people who are not wise with their time. They're, they're could, and the unwise people, they're characterizes that they are ungrateful, careless, selfish, faithless, and incontinent. They have no control of their life. So basically, those who do not submit to God and waste his time that he gives them are foolish. So yes, the days are evil. We notice that we we can just go on our phones and look at three seconds in the top headlines and yeah, they're evil. Evil is rampant around the world and we know we are in the last days. However, it's also a great evil not to live our lives to glorify God. In our book for our Bible study, uh, Respectful Sins, that we've been going over uh, throughout the week, uh, we, as Christians, cultivate the sin of ungodliness, which is defined as, from his book, uh, Jerry Bridges' Respectful Sins. Ungodliness may be defined as living one's everyday life with little or no thought of God or of God's will, or of God's glory, or of one's dependence on God. So, because of these are evil, it's the evil of sense that we don't even think about God. Uh, people do not think about God, and they do their own thing, they do their own life, rather than shaping their lives to glorify Him. Now, the phrase, I'm getting back to it, the phrase, making the most of the time, it's really a weird phrase in the original language. Basically, what this means is buying back time. And what does that even mean? Buying back time. So I have an illustration. So actually, the word goes back to a marketplace. So you're walking around marketplace, maybe flea market, or um, even when we have peach days, you know, the food trucks. And, uh, you see the produce 
or you see a cool knickknack, maybe a cool t-shirt, cool hat, or maybe a snack for a vendor, or something valuable, and then you see that thing, then you snatch it. You take, you buy, you snatch it. In the same way, that's what that word is used, is when we make most of our time, we want to snatch opportunities that gives God glory. So therefore, since the days are evil and our time is limited, we should, as, as we walk in wisdom, we should use our time effectively and use God's resources effectively so that we can give him glory because he's the one that saved us he, and, he, and we are children of light. And remember, we are his workmanship as what Ephesians talked about. And we were made for good works in Christ so that we can represent him. That is how we can be used. So now, how can we know what opportunity? So make most of the time. So how do we know what to snatch the opportunity? How do we know to do? And that's what I believe that the next verse helps us to understand. Going to verse 17. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So since the days are evil, we should use our time that God gives us, the resources that God gives us to glorify him. So John um, comments on this verse, and he says, the highest calling of a Christian is to do God's will. The truth about God's will is we can understand it. We can know it. And understanding God's will is not only knowing it, but also doing his will on, and making most of our time on earth. And from this passage, we know that God's will is not an enigma. It's not a mystery. And that is an awesome truth to know that we can know God's will. So how can we understand it? First, there is actually verses in the Bible that talk about God's will. So I have three verses that actually specifically say that. So 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 3 to 15. And it says, For this is the will, God's will. So it's not an enigma. This is um, from the Bible. This is God's will. Your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual morality, so that each of you knows how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not with lustful desires like Gentiles who do not know God. Then the next verse is the one that is coming up. It's tis the season. Give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And then in 1 Peter, he talks about God's will. Submit to every authority, uh, human authority because of the Lord, whether of, to the emperor as the supreme authority or to the governors as those who are sent by him to punish those who do, who do what is evil and to praise those who do what is good. For it is God's will that you silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing good. So our, we need to have a good testimony. That's God's will for us, to have a good testimony among, among men. Now, we have those verses. And first off, we need to obey those verses. We need to follow those verses. Though That's God's will, so there's no uh, mystery with those. And I find great encouragement in those verses. But there's also things in our life 
What about the specifics of God's will? For example, uh, what ministry to get involved with? Who to marry? What's the next step in life? What's the next job? Or am I going to be a missionary? The Bible doesn't say you need to go here or you need to go Africa. No, but there is general principles. So I have four things uh, to know God's specific will in our life. So first, we need to pray about it. We need to seek God's will and what he wants. We need to ask him. But not just pray and wait for a response. We need to, um, second, secondly, we need to test the scripture. Remember in Ephesians uh, um, chapter 5, verse 10, it says, testing what is pleasing to the Lord. So we need to test what, uh, what God's will is with scripture. And then thirdly, we need to test our, um, maybe our desires and see if it's God's will with quality counselors. In Proverbs 11, verse 14, it says, when there's a multitude of counselors, there is victory. Now, we need to make sure our counselors are godly, they're qualified, they're mature. We need many good different opinions. It's so easy to go to people that agree with you. Oh, that's God's will for me? Oh, yeah, th thank you for agreeing. No. We need to go to people that will give different opinions. That way we can have a balance and balanced response or test our desires and see what God's will for us. And then, fourthly, we need to wait on the Lord. So it doesn't mean, okay, I'm not going to do nothing. I'm just waiting for God to tell me what God's will is. No, we need to obey what we know. We need to obey scripture, like those three verses. And even throughout the Bible, if you do study in God's will, there is very clear passages on that. Wait on the Lord. And then obey what you know. So this is how we can know the specifics of God's will. Is to pray, test with scripture, test with quality counselors, and then wait on him. So we just went over that as Christians, we want to walk in wisdom. We, we don't want to walk in darkness or as unwise people. We walk in God's wisdom to glorify him, to use our time wisely so that people may know the light that we have in Christ. And now, secondly, Paul exhorts the Ephesians to walk in the spirit. So follow along as, as I read this passage, verses 18 and 21. And do not get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of of Christ. So we so we see the com two commands here. Uh, first one is a negative and the second one is a positive. So the negative one is you can see do not get drunk with wine. And then if if we do get drunk with wine, it's it leads to reckless living. So why do you think Paul commanded us not to get drunk with wine? A, com a, a commentator uh, says that when we are drunk, we cannot understand God's will. 
So it would be counterintuitive. How can we follow God's will if we are impaired or if we are controlled by something else, controlled with wine or controlled with alcohol? So I believe that it's an important command. Now, I would say that drinking alcohol is not a sin, but drinking in excess is. And we don't have time to discuss the whole debate. If, if you want to talk about it after service, you can ask, ask Zach, not me. I'm just kidding. You can ask me. I'm not going to point everything at Zach. Have a, everyone go to his house. We have, we have all these questions. Just don't tell him, just don't tell him that I sent right? I'm just kidding. Now, so the definition of what um, reckless living is, other translation they use debauchery. But so the definition of reckless living is spiritual wastefulness due to excessive behavior and the dire consequences it brings. So a commentator, he says, drunkenness with excess. And uh, a, a commentator quotes uh, another one, is Forrester, and he summarizes reckless living as one with a wild and undisciplined life. So a person who is living recklessly is a person who has no self-control. They waste their resources to gratify themselves rather than glorify God. So we have the negative command, do not get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living. But now let's look at the positive command. But be filled by the Spirit. So John Stott, he makes four observations from this command. It's a, it's a really interesting command. So the first observation he makes, it's, it's an imperative. So what that means is it's a command. So all Christians are to be filled by the Spirit. It's not, uh, there's no liberty to avoid it. It's not an option. We are commanded to be filled by the Spirit. Then the second point he makes is, it's in the plural form. So in the Rungeon language, it's in the plural form. So what that means is, being filled by the Holy Spirit is for all Christians. The Holy Spirit's empowerment is not for the spiritual elite, but it's for all who are in Christ. And that's such an awesome fact that all of us can have the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. It's not for the super spiritual, but it's for everyone. The command is for everyone. Then thirdly, his, his third observation is it is in the passive. So this is a passive command. So how can we get around it? How can we passively do command? So the truth from this is this command is totally grace-dependent. We need to depend on God to be filled by the Spirit. And how do we do that? We align our lives to his word, and we, and we surrender to the Holy Spirit. We want, uh, we want him to control our lives rather than wine, but we want him to control our lives so that we can glorify God. And then fourthly, it's in the present tense. So what that means is being filled by the Spirit is not a one-done deal, then you're always filled. Being filled by the Spirit is a, a continual effect, a continual, effect, a, a continual command. 
So yes, we are sealed by the Spirit, which uh, gives us hope for our inheritance in Christ. But being filled by the Spirit is a daily thing we need to do. So we see those two commands, and we are to walk in the Spirit as children of light, as those who are in Christ. Now we will see the result of, and now the last half of the passage is the result of walking in the Spirit. So, verse 19, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing, making music in your heart to the Lord. So, speaking, the word speaking is just to converse with one another. So, compared to a drunk, compared to the one who has been controlled by wine or alcohol, being spirit-filled leads to a good speech. And their speech makes sense and also leads to edification. And so the three different, uh, like psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, there's actually not much distinction, but uh, a psalm is music to an instrument, Hymns are actually songs to deities, but Christians, they used uh, this word uh, as songs that talk about the gospel, to talk about doctrinal truth, to talk about God and Christ incarnate who came down to this earth to live a perfect life, to live a perfect life so that he can die on the cross for our sins and be raised from the dead three days later. And then a spiritual song is basically songs that are kind of spontaneous from a, a joyful heart. So we just sing songs because we're joy, joyful that God has saved us. So there's not much distinction there, but it is interesting to note. But another thing we need to know from this verse, so the first half of the verse, it talks about corporate worship. Uh, when we are spirit-filled, we are to encourage one another. We need to worship with one another, speaking to one another, in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. It affects us corporately. And then the second half, sing, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord. And also, being filled with the Spirit, it changes us in the inside. And when we worship, when we come together to worship as a local body, it should not be lip service. It should be, it should be from a changed heart. So I found a list of, like, songs like sometimes my heart is not in it when we sing so like sometimes we treat oh i love jesus oh oh how i like jesus or i surrender all or i surrender some sometimes our hearts like that but when we are controlled by the spirit it changes us oh how i like jesus oh how i love jesus you have the joy of the lord it just comes out of you that's what being walking in spirit is And, that, and also, another reason why we choose songs here, this is why the music we sing here at Rocky are theologically rich so that we can be edified and we can have true worship. So that's a ex- uh, result of walking in the Spirit. It's corporate and individual worship. But but some of you guys, I thought what this meant, it's... Forget it's going to turn into a musical. Like speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So this is going to become a musical. I know Bill thinks I'm, I'm always in a musical at home, but no. 
That's not what this uh, means. It just means that we're coming together, we have a commonality in the gospel, and we are encouraging one another, and also our hearts are changed. We want to worship the Lord. It's a, it's a result of a changed heart and walking in the Spirit. And then secondly, the second response is walking in the Spirit is giving thanks. And giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So from walking in the Spirit, it should enable us to be thankful for everything that God has given us. Notice that our thanksgiving is to God, but the basis of that is from our Savior, Lord Jesus Christ. Remember the, the first half of the book, uh, chapters 1 to 3, uh, in him, we have all the spiritual blessings in him. We have redemption in him. We are chosen in him. We are adopted. From those blessings, we need to thank God and also for the daily provision of our, our lives now. So there, therefore, from a spirit-controlled heart, we continually give thanks to God. And then a third result of walking in the Spirit is submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. So there is debate on whether uh, verse 21 goes into the next passage, uh, to, uh, 23. But as you know from my outline, I believe that this verse goes back with uh, verses 18 to 20. To submit, it means to serve or have respect for one another. And the word fear here is not something, oh, I'm, gonna, I'm scared, so I'm going to do something. No, it's out of respect to Christ for what he has done for us. He is the head of the church because of his authority, because we want to respect him and honor him, we submit to one another as his local body. That's the basis of our service is Christ. And John Stott, he says, since the Holy Spirit is meek and humble, we and as, as we walk in the Spirit, serve one another. And a great example, Paul talks about this submission or serving one another. It's in Ephesians chapter 2. If you actually read the whole passage, 1 through 10, it's just an awesome, powerful, beautiful picture of submission. And verses 6 to 10 talk about Christ, the ultimate example, Christ. We're going to be only focusing on verses 1 through 5. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affliction and mercy, well, affection and mercy, make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one, pur on one purpose. Do not uh, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humi humility, consider another others more important than yourselves. Everyone should look not at his own interests, but rather the interests of others. Adopt the same attitude, that of Christ Jesus. So if you're if we're wondering how to submit to another, go to this passage. Go to this passage, Philippians 2, 1 through 5. 
if you want a bigger picture, read the verse 10, which the ultimate example is Christ. That's how we should submit to one another in the fear of Christ. And now I have a comparison chart of what being spirit-filled and also being alcohol-filled or being a drunkard. So being spirit-filled, obviously you're controlled by the spirit. And then also a spirit-filled life is a God-honoring life. And also the person has controlled worship and speech. And also uh, this spirit-filled person has continual thanksgiving to God in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And also a spiritual person submits to other believers and authorities. But a drunkard, as you know, is controlled by alcohol and it leads to reckless living. And as you know, their speech is, they don't have much control of their speech. A lot of slurs or maybe outbursts of anger. Not, not much control there. And then a drunkard, instead of giving thanks to God, they're self they're selfish. Uh, on the side, it says selfless. I meant, meant selfish. <laughs> that when a lot of people, when a drunkard goes to alcohol to cope, they usually they wallow in their sorrow. They go to God and they they curse Him for what has happened to their life. But a spiritual person, they give thanks to God for everything. And then a drunkard also, instead of submitting, uh, they, were, they rebel against other believers or authorities. So have you ever seen those cop videos? And when you see a drunk person, have you seen them very submissive? There are some of them, they try to pretend that they're sober. They do the, the walk test. It, it doesn't work. So there is a difference being spirit-filled and also being a drunkard. So today, as we uh, wrap up with this passage, uh, the main idea is since the days are evil, we are to walk in wisdom and in spirit. So I have a few I have a few application points from this passage. So the first one is, in order to walk in wisdom, we need to seek wisdom from God's word. That's important. And then, the second point is, as believers, we need, we need to ask God to help us to be more aware of the opportunities to redeem the time, to make use of our time, to glorify him as we serve him in these evil days. Third point is, we can know God's will. It's not an enigma. We can know God's will. So remember, search in the Bible. Remember those verses that we went over. Do a study on God's will. It is clear. But also, but for the specifics, pray go to God's word, and go to quality counselors and wait for him. And then the fourth point is we are to be filled by the spirit. That is a command as believers. We are to walk in the spirit. How are we allowing God, how are we allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us in our life? And then fifth point is, is our hearts in tune while we worship? And if not, we should check our hearts. The sixth point is, are we thankful for everything what God has done for us daily? If we're walking in the Spirit, that should be the life. And the last point is, are we submitting to one another out of respect of Christ? That's the result of a Spirit-filled life. 
So how do we walk in wisdom in the Spirit? I know this is a lot. I know when I was studying this past few minutes, I was very overwhelmed with everything that is going on. But this goes to show that we need God's grace in order to follow his commands. We need to be in Christ. We need to have his, the Holy Spirit, to follow his commands. It's not a, uh, we change our lives or um, live a moral life, but we need a heart transformation. We need to be filled by the Spirit. So first, we need to check our hearts. Is there anything in our lives that is hindering us from walking in wisdom and walking in the Spirit? Then, then after that, we need to ask God to give us strength to apply the truths of this text and also to understand his will for us. And then we need to obey it. So as we wrap up, we need to, as Christians, as children of light, walk in wisdom and walk in the spirit because the days are evil. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for your truth that as your children and as people of your church, we need your strength. We need your grace to obey you, to follow your commands. And Lord, until we, until we do so, we need you. We depend on the Holy Spirit. We depend on your grace so that we can represent you in these evil days and that we can be spirit-led, that we can be tr controlled by you so that we can edify one another, that we can give thanks to you and just have a joyous life being a Christian. And as we go on uh, to, our, um, to, our, to our lives, may we uh, take these truths that we would walk in wisdom and walk in the spirit. And we pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen.